Okay, so after discussing the idea of Ta'ameh HaMitzvah in the Maharal's estimation, that it's not that mitzvot have reasons uh, per se, it's not really a Jewish concept to try to find all these practical reasons or benefits for mitzvot, Maharal goes back to challenge the Rambam and the Ramban's shitas in light of a different Gemara. <clears throat> now, the, what the Gemara says is basically that Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't really doesn't really care whether you do shechita from the neck or from the back of the neck. It doesn't really care. Now let's try. Let's, let's read the exact words inside. Um, you think it really matters to Kaddish Baruch Hu if you slaughter from the neck or the back of the neck? So it's very interesting, meaning at, on the surface, that's a very shocking source. <laughs> it's a very shocking Gemara. Of course the Kaddish Baruch Hu cares. He commanded us. We're not allowed to do it one way or the other. We're only allowed to eat from it if it's a specific way. We're not allowed to eat from it if it's another way. And if we do eat from it, if it wasn't slaughtered properly, you know, we're punished. Of course God cares. So we have to understand what exactly the Gemara is saying and what it's not saying. Now the Rambam, whose shita we discussed last week in terms of how he sees Tameh Mitzvot, and he really sets up a whole system where there are all these reasons and maybe it accomplishes this goal or that goal, right actions, right mindset, you know, this specific type of action we want to orient, this specific type of mindset we want to orient. So he says what this Gemara is coming to do is essentially saying that the goal is to accumulate, the goal is to, is to basically guide your actions. But if you'll notice, by mitzvot and halacho, there are an unbelievable amount of details. Now you have to follow the details, because somewhere over the course of those details, the, whatever you're trying to accomplish kind of kicks in. But that's not like the details themselves are what's important. Right? Meaning, you have to, uh, you have to you know, do a sprinkling of the blood four times. It's not because, like, Mishamayim four as opposed to three and five. No, it's, it, it had to be a certain number of times. You, you could not do it at all. And maybe doing it once was just not enough. Maybe you do need to do it a multiplicity of times. But there's no value to the specific number. The number is, on the one hand, arbitrary, but on the other hand, you know, on the one hand it's arbitrary, and the idea is it needs to be a multiplicity of times. If I would have told you five, so you would have said, why not four? So now that I'm saying four, are you going to say, why not five? Come on, it's got to be something, right? So the details, it's not, it's not so important. And that's what the Rambam understands. He brings this Gemara as a proof for his shita. In saying, you can see that the details are not what matters to Kaddish Baruch Hu. We have uh, an overarching goal of the mitzvah. That's what's important. It just needs to find some sort of practical manifestation. We have a nice value, a nice end goal, a nice product that we're working for. How we get there, it, it, meaning now you have to follow it. Because that's the way that we set out to get there. That's the way God set out to get there. But even but just because you have to follow it doesn't mean that like the detail is as 
significant in Shemayim as the product. We really want the product. God said, how do I make sure you get the product? I'll make you do it in this exact way. Not because it couldn't have been done in a different way, but we need one way to do it. So the Maharal, of course, if you didn't see it this coming, hates that answer. He just thinks it's awful. Meaning, think about how many details the Torah tells you that you're now just making completely irrelevant. Ubuvadai ain tam le perush says, there's no tam for this perush, right? Ki al kol la Torah amara katuv, ki mi goi gadol asher lo chukimu shvatim tzadikim, ke chol ha Torah hazot, right? That the, the entire essence of the Torah is what's significant, each and every detail. Vamar od, veshamartem vasitem, ki hi chaukmatchem, uvinatchem, uvinay kol amim asher yishmoon, et kol la chukim haere, haele, vahare ki kol davar shvatim. So it is of you know the Maharal's opinion, an opinion that he feels is supported by the Psukim. And very often that's the, the Maharal likes to build as much of his machshava as possible from concrete psukim when they exist. And if not, then from concrete Ma'amare Chazal. Right? Not to try to answer questions based on, well, here's a good question. What what's a reasonable answer? Right? But really to see to what degree the Torah and Chazal may have already addressed that question in the past. And he says, it seems very strongly that the, the, every element, every detail of the Torah has tremendous significance. And we really see the Maharal dealing with this in depth, because the Maharal sees a, a tremendous amount of significance in numbers. And every time you have this number as opposed to that number, he's going to explain why to you and what is the significance behind it. So, of course, an answer that just makes the details, which is, you know, which comprises a tremendous amount of the halachic, you know, uh, of the halacha that you're following, to render that all as arbitrary, I- insignificant, or at least not inherently significant, is certainly not a not not a derech that he's going to be okay with, right? And then he goes on to the Ramban shita. We also saw the Ramban shita in the last chapter in the last parak. And what the Ramban says is that the goal of the mitzvot is to give you good midot. And then the Ramban explains this gemara in a way that complements his shita actually very nicely. So what does it mean that God doesn't care about the shchita metzavar mina oref? He doesn't care how you do the shchita. What it means is that the shchita is now what's important to him. What's important to him? The value that you're getting out of it. I mean, you could say, and, and this is very consistent with the Ramban, because this is the exact issue we took with the Rambam in the last pairing, right? We said that, that by sending away the mother bird, according to the Rambam, the goal was mercy on the bird. The Ramban is like, no, the mitzvah isn't for mercy on the bird. The mitzvah is that so you become a more merciful person. And of course, we mentioned why the Maharal took issue with both of those positions, but we see that the Rambam focused on the actual thing being done. We want to have mercy on the bird. Why are we making the bird suffer unnecessarily? Mainly you get food out of it, fine, but this is a case where you don't get very much food out of it anyway. Uh, you know, in most cases, it's not even going to be fit to eat. So you take mercy on the bird. Whereas the Ramban says, it's not for mercy for the bird, it's mercy for you. So what does the Gemara, what does Chazal mean when they say that God doesn't care about the shrita from the neck? Meaning, God is not... It wasn't that God's goal would be that you should only shecht an animal from the neck, and therefore it becomes your responsibility to only shecht an animal from the neck, because I, Kaddish Baruch Hu, want in my universe the animals should only be slaughtered from the neck. No, he, he didn't want that. What he wanted was for human beings to develop the midas that come from that. That's how you have to do it. But it's not because he wanted the shrita to happen that way. He wanted you to develop the value that you get from shechting it in that way. Um, and interesting that 
Okay, we'll, we'll get to it. Right? Right, so this is how it's very consistent with the Ramban Shita that we discussed last week. Because the Ramban says it's all about the values that we are getting. And the Ramban says, I'll bring you a proof. It says explicitly that God, the Gemara says explicitly that God doesn't care how exactly we do Shrita. He doesn't care about the Shrita. What he cares about is the value that we're getting from the Shrita. All right, just a quick recap. We have someone walking in. What we said right now was that we posed two approaches to Tamei HaMitzvot, the Rambam and the Ramban, that the Maharal ultimately rejected. And the, and the, there, there is a Gemara that's brought in support of the Rambam and the Ramban, each Shita respectively, and the Maharal responds to them. So the Gemara basically says that Akadosh Baruch Hu doesn't care how you do Shrita. He doesn't care you do it from the front of the neck or the back of the neck. It doesn't matter to God, which of course is puzzling because of course it matters to God. He commanded us one way and not the other. So what the Rambam says is that, that there's an ultimate goal that every mitzvah falls into. Right? And we, we spoke about that. There are probably 14 major goals according to the Rambam that a mitzvah falls into. The details aren't significant. They're just a way to get to the goal. Now, we have to follow the details because God said this is how you have to do it. Right? And he could have told you to do it in a hundred other ways. Once he told you to do it this way, this is how you have to do it. But the details are not important. It could have been a different way also. Whereas what the Ramban is saying is that, no, we said the value of the mitzvah is the value. That's what we want you to get a value out of it. You don't send away the mother bird because you're merciful. Right? You got to be merciful. So we just want you to get the value out of it. That's what it means that God doesn't care how you do shrita. Of course he cares how you do shrita, but not because he wants this animal to be shechted from the front of the neck. Because he wants you to get the value of shechting the animal from the front of the neck. So he's not looking at the, at the animal, he's looking at you. Of course, this is the Ramban Shita Tau, and the Maharal finishes off. The Kvar Amarnu Shiyev Shalomar Shiyu Hamitzvot Torah Al Derech Shaper Shalomban. We really we can't understand all the mitzvot of the Torah in the way the Ramban understands them. Likvoa Banu Midos Tova. The goal of all the mitzvot is just to develop so that we develop good midos. Eh, we can't understand it that way. This is very interesting with the Maharal says. What's the big problem with explaining like the Ramban? He says most of the <clears throat> most of the mitzvot, we can't identify the value that they're coming in. In which case, or if we don't understand the value that they're here for, we can't understand the value, value that they're here for, how are they supposed to help us? The Maharal seems to be making an assumption that in order to develop a value through a particular action, you have to know what value you're supposed to be developing. Right? So, like, let's say you had uh, a commandment every single day to throw a dollar down the sewer. Just throw a dollar down the sewer. That was your commandment. You had to do that. You didn't know there's a poor person under the, who lives underneath the sewer, whatever it is, and he collects that money every single day and he goes and buys himself food. So you're not going to develop the you're not going to develop the mida of mercy. Well, you clearly you're having mercy doing tzedakah with him, right? You're being very generous, yeah. You're being extremely generous, yeah. But you have no idea that what you're doing has anything to do with generosity. You're not going to habituate yourself to be generous to people. You don't even know anyone's receiving that dollar. You're habituating yourself to, you know. To, to, to give up money at God's orders, but it's not the same thing as being generous. 
So it says the Maharal, if you don't know the reason that you're doing something, then you're not going to you're not going to internalize the value behind it. So the problem with saying like the Ramban is that even if there was a hidden value in all these mitzvot, we can never know what those are. What's the hidden value in shatnes? We're not going to know what it is. In which case, how is it supposed to do anything to me in terms of, you know, developing my values? Since it can't be. So now we're going to advance the Maharal's theory on Tame HaMitzvot, or the lack thereof, in light of the Gemara that we read. Right? That when this Gemara says that it wasn't given because God wants the Shrita done in this way or that way, he just give it to what's Litzaref Abriot? Siruf is to refine, right? It's to, 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 to mint almost, right? Like you mint a coin, right? It's so that they, they will come out looking a certain way. You look one way because you're a very physical being. And the, you know, your neshama is overwhelmingly influenced by your physicality. But the mitzvot are supposed to properly mint your neshama so that your existence looks uh, like it's supposed to. Or you're refining your existence to be more spiritual. Right? It's not that the mitzvah is coming in and how the mitzvah is mitzvah if you is that it is a guide for you to make you a more ethical person, a more moral person, more merciful person, a more generous person. It's not what it is. The mitzvah is not teaching you to be generous and therefore you're a more generous person. That's not what's happening here. Because, like we said earlier, that would really only work if we understood what the reason was for the mitzvah. But all the other mitzvot that we don't know the reason. So, how exactly is this telling me to be merciful? How is Shatnes telling me to be generous? It it's not helping me. Aval. Here's we're going to see how the Maharal explains it. Right here. Aval. Hamitzvot be'atzmam mitzarfim nefesh adam. Got to cut out the middleman. The mitzvah is what refines the nefesh of a person. The mitzvah isn't telling you to be generous, and then you slowly make yourself into a more generous person, or at least you act more generously. No, no, no. There's something called the nefesh, something called neshama, right? Now it's going to look a certain way. It's not like not a physical appearance, but in its, in its makeup, in its spiritual makeup, it will be a certain way. How do you make it into the way that it's supposed to be? Mitzvah. That is what refines the nefesh to look what it's supposed to look like. On a spiritual level, not on a physical plane. The nefesh looks a certain way when it's a part of a physical being. You need that nefesh to look more spiritual. The mitzvah is what does that. Right? Think of it, it's like a cookie cutter. Right? You place it around it, and you have the... And it, it, it's what cuts it out in the shape. It's not like you have a cookie cutter, and then you show the dough, the cookie cutter, and it's like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to look like. And then it you know, starts like acting like a circle. Or it makes it, you put the cookie cutter down, and it's circle. That's what the mitzvahs do to your neshama. It's not a reason, it's not a value, it's not an ethical, it's a, you have a neshama. What makes the neshama look the way that it's supposed to, is the performance of mitzvah. And that is why, 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu set up the system of mitzvot lo ta'aseh. Why? Because by not doing those things, you have a certain order to your neshama. You can make your neshama look worse. You really could. Right? Well, how do you make your neshama look worse? You do the certain things that are, you know, if positive things, you can do positive things that make it look better, make it look more spiritual, whatever, whatever that means, and you can do things that make it look less spiritual. We don't want you to make your neshama worse than it is. That's what the lotases are. Right? The lotas says, don't do this. Why? Because the effect of that is something, is, is an effect on your neshama that you don't want. It's a natural thing. It's an automatic thing. You do that. Now, again, when I say automatic, let's, let's keep, keep, put aside, you know, the, the question of kavana, be'ones, you know, tino we'll put that aside for now. But in theory, if you do it in the full sense that we're having in mind, it's an automatic thing. So that's what the lotases are. Is it you're, 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 you're branching out, you're, you're separating yourself from the derech, from the, the way that your neshama was constructed to be a healthy, good neshama. That's what you're trying to avoid. Right? Now, fascinating. We mentioned the idea of the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach before. This is a bit of a hard concept. And honestly, uh, you know, it's a bit of a hard concept. And I don't know how well I'm going to explain it. But, the, but, but I, I'll try to get this across. There's a very significant reason why there are Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. Because... You know, everyone, every living being has a, every you know, human being has a soul that can be developed or damaged, right? But, you know, the Jewish soul is a little bit different, and we've spoken about that, and we'll continue to speak about it. But still, every soul meets this criteria. There's not a soul that's like just dormant and can and nothing can be done to it. Of course, things can be done to every soul. So says the Maharal, the, the mitzvah, Shev Mitzvah B'nai Noach are all oriented as lotases, so that they shouldn't depart from just the basic seder that's already appropriate for their neshama. That they should not let their neshamas be corrupt in this world. And if you, if you kill someone, you're non-Jew and you kill someone, you're corrupting your soul. It says that there have to be seven. Specifically seven. And it is a really interesting idea. <laughs> Getting back to the Maharal's significance in numbers, right? So he says, the direction, every, every physical thing can move in six directions. Or can be moved if it's not something able to move itself, right? Front and back, right and left, up and down. And so this is what he says. This is, so basically everything that can, if there's a proper way of going about things, then it makes sense in theory to propose that there are six improper ways of going about things. You can go forward, you're not supposed to go forward. You can go backward, you're not supposed to go backward. You can go to the right when you're not supposed to go to the right. You can go to the left when you're not supposed to go to the left. You can go up when you're not supposed to go up. You can go down when you're not supposed to go down. These are the six ways that you can basically do things inappropriately. Side point, how does the Maharal know that, that directions are even shy for talking about things you're not supposed to do? Things you're not supposed to do, it's all spiritual. It, 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 what, like, there's, there's, there's directions? There's, there's, it's bad to go, you know, forward. Like, what's the shaykhut of the spiritual idea of not doing something you're not supposed to do and the physical idea of traveling in a specific direction? It's like, Lichora, we're, we're dealing with terms that don't work together. 
what's what's the connection? So physical things can move in six directions. So on a spiritual level, I know that there are six ways that I do something wrong. Doesn't make any sense. So bring me a proof that that it's relevant to refer to things you shouldn't be doing in terms of physical directions. Well, how are we supposed to listen to the rabbanim? Anything they tell us to do, we're not supposed to depart to the right or to the left. The Amin is small. So the Maharal says clearly in the Torah, the Torah already uses someone's physical directions as a metaphor for a spiritual flaw in their behavior. Which I think is fascinating. But that's six, right? We said there are Sheva Mitzvah and then the Maharal says like this. He says like this. What does it mean if you're going, you know, if, if you're where you're supposed to be and then you leave to the right of you or to the left of you, inappro- you know, you to inappropriately go to the right or to the left or forward or back. He's saying you're basically a, a well-oriented spiritual being with a negative tendency, right? Because everything else is fault. You're leaving through a specific direction. What does it mean if you're leaving through the right? That your other five directions, you're, you're aligned with them. What does it mean if you're leaving through the seventh direction? You're leaving the system altogether. It's not that you have a one, you know, one uh, particular negative natiya that you're aligned in five ways, but you lean to the right. And therefore, you kind of have this improper tendency in your behavior. The seventh way out is to say that you're departing from the system altogether. Not that you're good, but with an improper tendency, but that it's but that you're you're outside the realms of the center you're supposed to be following altogether. So you chop that. You didn't chop that. I explained it well. I didn't explain it well. We're going to move on because it's really not the main point he's trying to make here. That is the that is the normal neshama. Omnam Yisrael am Hashem asher b'char b'hem v'nitiyachdu el Hashem itbarach yoter v'yoter. So Klal Yisrael is the is the nation that the Kadosh Baruch Hu chose, right? And we became increasingly unique to a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Sheish lam nefesh miucheret elokit beyoter. And Klal Yisrael has a a godly an increase you know a, a, an increasingly godly soul. A soul with a capacity to have, you know, a soul with a major capacity for spirituality. So because of, because of the uniqueness of the Neshama, in that it is increasingly spiritual, increasingly, let's say, close to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, there are... There are more ways that we can depart from what we're supposed to be. If we are supposed, you know, if, if our neshama has a height has a heightened level of spirituality, neshama has a heightened level of spirituality, and so there will be an increased amount of things that will be a departure from our neshama's character. Isn't uh, I think three fifty is a multiple of seven? By the way, I don't I don't know if that factors in. But the od nitiachdu b'mitzvot ase shehem ramach mitzvot. Says furthermore, we got positive mitzvot. I mean, in addition to just having more ways that we can corrupt the neshama, in addition to having more ways 
I like to look at it as, as intrinsically the actions of the Lotases are beneath you. Spiritually, they're beneath you. They're lower than your cover. They're things that you're beyond in your very essence. And it's not like, it's not like a good person doesn't kill. Meaning, you know, it's true, a good person doesn't kill. But not killing doesn't make you a good person. Right? The, the assumption when it comes to killing is that a good person or a decent human being, it already doesn't do that. Right? Yeah. What about like an Isser Aseh? How's that going? An Isser? An Isser Aseh, a Bittal Aseh, for example. Ah, so Bittal Aseh, we spoke a little bit about, um, we can see a little bit more, but the this Aseh is the way to, if the Lot Asehs are about, you know, not acting in a way that is beneath you spiritually and therefore you know, warping the condition of your neshama further than it already is. So the assays are about, you know, developing. And the, the problem with the bitl assay is, is we can get a little more specific inside, and he will, but that is, is that you have the, the opportunity to do what is natural to you and grow into your full potential. And you're not doing it, right? So and it's, important to, it's important to note it's, we don't see someone who doesn't do any of the mitzvot asay and but also doesn't do any of the mitzvot lot asay as like good keeping his status quo because by nature there's something you're supposed to grow into right I, I saw this like I saw this this meme once it was like a caterpillar talking to a butterfly and the caterpillar has like this really judgmental look on its face it's like you've changed and the butterfly said like we're we're supposed to and that's the idea is that is that we have it's not like that we have the responsibility to maintain the status quo but if you want to be like you know god's teacher's pet or you know you really just want to have a good chalik and haba so you can do the mitzvot it, it's the growth is defined by doing the mitzvot your potential looks a certain way you only reach it through doing the mitzvot you're not supposed to remain stagnant, right? Your, your job is to work towards your optimal state, and that's through the mitzvot, and that's through their development. Right? So says the Maharal, the nefesh in the goof, our, our, our soul, the soul that's in our body, tends toward Nature. What does that mean? Natural inclinations. Natural inclinations. Physical things. So even though your soul is something that is godly, right from above, So it's a godly neshama, but it's put in a goof. In which case, it's going to lean towards physicality. Lean towards physicality. But our job is to reconnect it with its source, with its godly source. And how do we do that? Well, we behave in a spiritual way, even though we may often want to behave in a physical way. Right? Through doing the mitzvot, which was divinely ordained, Right? The, the, it, was, it was divinely recognized as a significant action. 
the neshama, by partaking in those things, is behaving in a divine manner. And therefore, it is becoming increasingly divine. Right? And through your increasing spiritual behavior, you're able to leave your physical confines that you have the tendencies toward and make your neshama increasingly spiritual and therefore closer and closer to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. We define closeness, well, you know, God isn't in this world and neshama isn't you know, physically in this world. So we define closeness not by a physical closeness. It's not like, you know, it's not like God's up here and the more we act spiritually, so our neshama gets to be close to God. Like, God's, God isn't there. You know, what's, what does it mean that neshama is close to God? How else can it be close aside from physical closeness? It could be close in its resemblance. Right? And so when we talk about two things connected on a spiritual level, we don't mean that they're connected in proximity. We don't, mean that, we don't even mean they're close in proximity. That doesn't make sense for spiritual things to be close in proximity to one another. Closeness, as the, you know, in the spiritual realm, is similarity. So what does it mean to be close to God? It means to be similar to God. And what does it mean that our neshama should be increasingly close to a Kodesh Baruch Hu? That our neshama should be increasingly close to a Kodesh Baruch Hu in its similarity to God. So when you think of someone that you love and you want to be close with them, so you think about being in their proximity, doing things with them, enjoying activities with them, having good conversations with them. But those are all very physical. How do you make your neshama close to God? You make it similar to God. That's the you know equivalent in the spiritual uh, uh, realm. <speaking in Hebrew> Right? So what we mean when we say that Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't care if you do the shechita from the front of the neck or the back of the neck, as far as Kodesh Baruch Hu is concerned, he's losing an animal in this world. He doesn't really care how he's losing the animal in this world, he's losing the animal in this world. Right? So the mitzvah is not about, it's not about what happened to the animal. Mitzvah is about what happened to you, but not that you should get the value out of it, but because your neshama was refined through your performance of a spiritual action. How so? Well, your neshama is a spiritual thing, and the more spiritual action it undergoes, the less it's connected to the physical body it's put in, and the more it's connected to its source, to a Baruch So the Maharal now brings kind of a, a metaphor for this concept. Right. <laughs> So when we take take a, a seed of a tree for an example for for example, the the seed of the tree it's going to grow it's going to develop a trunk it's going to develop its uh, its uh, branches and leaves and fruit and that development is a byproduct of what the seed is in its nature that's what the seed produces it's not like it's not like, well, it looks this way. We want it to look like an apple tree. We don't want it to look like an orange tree. 
We want, we would like this apple seed to look like an apple tree, and that's going to be a good thing. Right? We don't want it to look like an orange tree. If it looks like an orange tree, that's a bad thing. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's a product of its nature. It's not like, good job. That's a good ethical thing that the apple seed became an apple tree. No, that was just what it could be. And it either became that or failed to become that. But that was the only good, that was the only appropriate thing it could ever be. So the, okay, so the, you put the seed in the ground, why the ground and the nutrients of the ground is supposed to, is supposed to extract from the seed what its potential is to be an apple tree, right? And the neshama is the same way, the neshama was put into the goof. The nutrients of the goof, meaning the, the, the body's, you know, behavioral components, the physical things that the body can do, the job of those physical things are to be motzi the neshama into its ultimate form, into its best form. And it only has one way to develop in its potential. The way that reflects what the seed is in nature. This seed, when developed in its potential, looks that way. That's the only thing it can look like if it's developed. And at every stage of development, it can only look like one thing. And the neshama is the same. The neshama is put in the goof. It's the goof's job to perform, to behave in a way that's going to develop the neshama. And the neshama looks a very specific way because of the goof's behavior. And that's the, that is the potential of the soul uh, uh, being realized, being actualized. And when the nefesh physically, or when the nefesh uh, achieves that which it, you know, spiritually can be to the fullest degree, then it's in its full, complete form. And in its full form, it's connected to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Why? Because that's, that's, that's how it came to you, right? Before it was ever put in a physical thing, it existed in a full state. What, what made it deficient is that it was in a physical uh, being. And your job is through the physical world to behave in a physical way, meaning the mitzvot, in a way that's going to, uh, you, in a way that's going to make the neshama whole again. That's, that's the job. And the neshama only looks a specific way. You make it into that through doing mitzvot. <laughs> If that, if the seed was put into the ground and anything happened other than it looking like an apple tree, we would say it's spoiled. It's not right. It's not, it's not proper. Something spoiled about it. And this kind of gets into Eitan's question about the, what are the bittel, what are the bittel mitzvah say? If you put a seed in the ground and a tree didn't grow, and all the, the nutrients was right and the seed didn't grow, then, what's, then, then, then there's something spoiled. There's something wrong. Right? It's, there's no, something has to be wrong. 
it, the, the ground didn't decide not to give it, it the, the seed didn't decide not to take it. No, though all those things were natural. So something is deeply wrong here. This is the same is true for the neshama. Says, if the neshama is not, con- you know, in in constant, uh, uh, in constant development, in constant unraveling, actualization of its potential into what it could be, then there's a kilku. Something is spoiled. Something is seriously wrong. It's not supposed to be that way. The neshama is not just supposed to sit in the gufrade. It's not just supposed to. The neshama is eloki. And it's not supposed to just be sitting in a physical body and doing nothing. That is, that's, that's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a spoil as far as the neshama is concerned. Sitting in a rotting body. That is, that is not how it's supposed to be. The neshama is supposed to be in constant pursuit of its spiritual ideal and maybe even the actualization of that ideal. That is all the neshama is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be anything less. It's a problem with the neshama if you are not developing it through mitzvot. So now let's get back to our, our, the topic at hand in terms of ta'ame and mitzvot. Samara so says, therefore, there's no, you don't have to ask, there's no point in asking, why alidei mitzvah hazot adam mishlemu before? What do you, what is it about tzedakah? What is it about tzedakah that's making you a better person? What is it about shatnez that's making you a better person? What is it about lulav that's making you a better person? Mm, I don't know, let me think about it. Maybe shatnez is like a problem because the non-Jewish kohanim were the shatnez, and so, this is the Rambam, I'm not making this up, right? And so, I'm not wearing shatnez, I'm distancing myself from Avodazara practices, if I'm distancing myself from Avodazara practices, you know, so I'm not involved in things I'm not supposed to be involved in, so it's a good thing, I'm a guy who's not involved in things I'm not supposed to be involved in. And also, it's not even a relevant question, Bukhah. It's not, you don't have to go through those pil pulim. Shavada inze kasha. It's not a challenge, not a difficulty. Right? It's, it's not a question, okay, why, you know, why do I need to do this action? Well, because that's the action that's going to make you look this way. Why do I need to look that way? Because that is the natural product of the soul that you were given. And just like by trees, a seed is going to look that way in its fully formed, and not that way. The apple seed is going to look like an apple tree, and not like an orange tree. It's a product of its nature. Product of its nature. So how you look when you do shatnes, how your neshama looks when I do shatnes, that is how it's supposed to look. You don't even get into svaras. You don't even get into svaras. Your neshama by its nature starts out a certain way. Its optimal uh, existence is a certain way. There's a derech there. This is the derech there. This is what happens. This is what makes it look that way. If I uh, water my tree with orange soda, you know, will it be an orange tree? No, it's just, it, there's no other way to get the seed, you know, from A to B. It's a natural thing. It needs this, and it's going to look like that. And Shama needs this, and it's going to look like that. So same goes for Neshama. 
It becomes whole when it does the following. So here's the general rule. A person actualizes his neshama through the mitzvot until it exists in its complete state. And even though, and this is an important point, saying even though we do believe when we look at the mitzvot of the Torah that that called the drachim of Torah or darchei noam, they're um, pleasing. That all the all the ways of the Torah are they're, they're pleasing ways. shalom. And the, the straits of the Torah are peaceful. So the ways of the Torah are pleasing and peaceful. Now why does this almost sound like a contradiction? Because it's not supposed to be about who cares if the mitzvah is pleasing or peaceful. It's not about what the mitzvah is or isn't. It's about what it does to you. But the Maharal says, Inachinam, it's just also true. The drachim of the Torah, they are pleasing. Then the timot of the Torah, they are shalom. But that's not why we're doing them. Giving tzedakah is a nice thing. I'm not saying it's not a nice thing. I'm just saying that's not why I'm doing it. Maybe, maybe doing shkita from the neck is more humane. I'm not saying it's not more humane. It's just not why I'm doing it. So yes, the mitzvot themselves are very often pleasing and very often uh, peaceful. It's just, that's just not why we're doing it. It's just, that, that has no relevance to the nature of my chiyuv towards them. Interesting. It says that is connected to the the drachim that you lead by, whereas the nitivoteha uh, shalom is lotase. Uh, because if you don't stray from this, you you know you 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 maintain your shalom by not straying. Essentially, saying that you will that. By not branching off into the low tasses, the things you're supposed, you're supposed, not supposed to do, you're able to maintain a sense of peace. When you behave in a way that you're not supposed to behave in, well, of course there's going to be friction. You're doing something wrong. That's going to impact other things, other people. If a lot of people are behaving in ways they shouldn't be, it's obviously going to be friction between people, between things, between countries, between everything. So you stay on the right path, there's no friction, and it's just shallow. And that path, you advance along that path, that path is a pleasing path. Or, you know, you're doing good things. Is that's true? That's true. That's true. Nonetheless, God didn't command you to do that thing because it's good and He wanted you to do good things. That's not why. It may be good. That doesn't mean that's why God told you to do it. It's just because this particular action is the thing that your neshama is refined through. That's what it is. That's what it is. Maybe there are good things that you were never commanded to do. Because it doesn't, it's not mitzvah for neshama. <laughs> we just don't look, we don't care. Whatever, for, for all intents and purposes, in terms of the mitzvah is concerned, it's not what we care about. Um, and here's, here's an interesting raya, by the way. Here's a very interesting thing. Because that explains very nicely why there are mitzvot that if other people do, they're chayav mita for. A non-Jew keeps Shabbos, chayav mita. It's a death penalty. If the mitzvah, if the ultimate purpose of the mitzvah was for the value of the mitzvah, and then every mitzvah was basically a good thing, 
Um, so if Sofa Saad Goyim, I said, Tov, then wouldn't you say at the end of the day this, this non-Jew did a really good thing? Maybe didn't have to, but he did a good thing. But no, because the, the mitzvot are aligned in accordance with what your neshama needs to, to, to be at its greatest. So, if your neshama is one way and his neshama is a different way, then who says what's going to help your neshama is going to help his neshama? Think of medicine. What's going to help you might be might kill him. Right? It's all about what it does to you. And if your neshama is different, then what the action is doing is different. So much so, your neshama is so different, right, that you're chayev to do it. And if he even tried, he'd be put to death. It would, it would be detrimental to him. Because the nature of the action is not good or bad. It's how this action and its spiritual orientation impacts your neshama. But if Kodesh Baruch Hu just said, do all the good things, don't do all the bad things, well, A, you'd have big questions in terms of, you know, why they're not chayav and say, mitzvah, we are, or why they don't at least get schar for it. It's not so not shayach to them, and all the more, and, and even more so, it could be detrimental for them to do it. It's like taking the wrong medicine. What saves someone can kill someone else. Um, so he brings us something interesting. He says, you know, there's a, there's a Gemara, uh, or is it Yom? No, Shabbat. Gemara and Shabbat that uh, says that Kodesh Baruch Hu, uh, in the future is going to make a grand Seuda for the Tzadikim. Seuda for the Tzadikim is going to be a meal for the righteous. Right? And by the way, there will be no Shrita for the meal. They'll be eating tre- you know, Trefus Nevelas. There will be no, no, no Shrita for the meal. I, no Shrita for the meal? I thought it was a good thing to have Shrita. It's not a good thing to have Shrita. It's just what your Neshama needs. But what's the Seuda for the Tzadikim Latid Lavo? It's at a time and place and for those who have developed their neshama to their fullest capacity, to the fullest extent they can be. In which case, what do you need shechita for? What do you need shechita for? Your neshama, is, your neshama exists in a perfect state. And there's no, it, it no longer needs anything. And that's the idea, right? So it's, it's reminiscent of the Gemara and Nida, that kolamitzot betelot latid lavo. It's like a really shocking Gemara. With the mitzvah. I thought the mitzvah were eternal. So they're objective manifestations of these things. Right? They're, they're, they'll always be good. How are the mitzvah going to be canceled in the future? Isn't that kfira? Like, what, 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 you know, what religious movement are we? You know, it's like, if the mitzvah don't apply anymore? Well, the idea here, in terms of the, according to the Maharal, is we, we speak about a future uh, where you know, the tzaddikim exist in their completely developed state, really developed spiritual state. And, uh, and, 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 and the mitzvah don't shy anymore. Mitzvah are to be motzi the koach elapohal to actualize the potential that's already been fully actualized, and that's that's the idea. Now, what's interesting to point out is that in the previous parak we said we have to keep in mind that, and, and if we just want to rewind for a second, I'll, I'll quote it to you inside. Um, <laughs> Rakim Xerod Mitzara Shemit Baracha Gozer Alamo Xerod Kim Melech Gozer Xer Alamo. 
אף כי האמת נמשך מזה מצד שהוא מקיים הגזירה שגזר עליו הטוב וההצלחה שאין אחרי ההצלחה, מכל מקום אין התחלת הגזירה שנתנה הטוב ולא מקבל. What are we saying? He says we have to keep in mind, we have to, we have to realize something. The mitzvot are not for us. He says I'm not saying they don't do good for us. He says of course when you keep the mitzvot you get the reward. What reward? The ultimate reward. The reward of Olam Haba. The spiritual reward. The reward that has no match in, you know, amongst all of the worlds. The best reward there is. The spiritual reward. The spiritual perfection. Nonetheless, that is not the time for the Tchilat Akzerah. Which is fascinating. Think about it. Everything that we just said today, everything we just said, that God doesn't care about the Shrita, it's not for the animals, it's not for this, it's not for that. It's, it's so that our Neshamas can be refined by it. And yet, that came on the heels of last week where we said that what we get out of the mitzvot, not the physical things, even the spiritual things that we get out of the mitzvot are not even the reason the mitzvot exists. Fascinating. It's like this is a, this is a positive byproduct of, of us keeping them, but not even the reason itself that the mitzvot exists. It's reminiscent of the Maharal speaks about in the first parak of Nativ HaTorah. where he says that the entire world is basically is, is a the entire world is a reflection of the Torah that's Kadosh Baruch Hu Yistaka Ba'oraitu Bara Alma right, looked in the Torah, created the world why? because the entirety of the world is, uh, is, uh, is a manifestation of the Ratzon Hashem right? this is how Kadosh Baruch Hu wants the world to look and this is what's needed to actualize the Ratzon Hashem the things that are in this world And the Maharal goes on and says, by the way, uh, also Olam Haba is a reflection of the Torah. Like, What does that mean? Both this world and the next world are reflections of the Torah. What exactly does that mean? So I think it means that the reason, the reason that following the Torah in this world, even though... Uh, the, the reason that following the Torah in this world is what gives us Olam Haba and the reason we're told to follow the Torah in this world even though the ultimate goal isn't even for us and yet it still gives us Olam Haba it's a little bit strange right? it's a little bit it, it's not Muvan Me'alab God wants something to happen in this world so he commands us to do certain things And so you might think, well, if I do everything God wants in this world, He's going to reward me with the next world. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that, that God wants certain things to be done in this world. We're going to talk about what that is and what that means. Right? And therefore, when I do them, I'm actually also the thing that's most fit for the next world. So, the fact that it's not an arbitrary connection between the two, but that... both this world and the next world were created in alignment with the Torah, what that means is an individual who actualizes in this world something that God wants also turns himself into the thing that's going to benefit from the next world because they're all following the same rules on a foundational level. I will stop here.